in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News. We're getting our first look at what happened the night Officer Jorge Pastor was shot and killed while responding to a stabbing call at a South Austin home. Thanks for joining us at 5. I'm Daniel Marino. And I'm Britt Moreno. It was a terrifying night for one Austin family. KXAN's Nabil Ramadna has been looking over that really tough video just released by Austin police. And he's walking us through what happened. And we do want to let everybody know tonight, this video is hard to watch. Hello? A frantic call to 911 at 2.49 a.m. on November 11th. One of the victims from inside a home on Bernoulli Drive was able to get away to call for help. Is this for someone who was stabbed? Yes, we were all stabbed. Her breath labored as she tries to give details to responding officers. Okay, can you breathe? Are you, are you, can you breathe? This body cam footage shows that around 3 a.m. more officers arrive in the area. Officers are told there are more victims inside the home, so they force their way inside. They were then pushed back by gunfire. Police say the shooter inside Ahmed Nassar. According to APD, he was armed and hiding inside with two hostages. SWAT was called in at 3.06 and at 4.11 a.m. you see here SWAT officers making their way up to the home to go inside and deploying distraction devices. The video stops there and police won't release it because of privacy reasons. But once the SWAT officers got inside and to the back room, police say Ahmed Nassar fired his gun at the SWAT officers. Shortly after a call came in that two officers were shot. One of them, Officer Jorge Pastor, who later died from his injuries. Nabil Ramadna, KXAN News. And Nassar also died in that shootout. Now the second officer has been released from the hospital. Inside the home, investigators found the bodies of 32-year-old Riyad Mohammed Nassar and 63-year-old Iman Nassar. And neighbors tell us that is the suspect's brother and mother. Three APD officers opened fire and all have been placed on administrative leave. This is APD protocol, of course. A group of women who claim they nearly died after doctors delayed medically necessary abortion stepped before the Texas Supreme Court this morning and what was a major challenge to our state's abortion ban. The women are blaming the law for limiting doctors' ability to act in emergencies. Our Ryan Chandler joins us from court with the latest. The core question at the court today, who decides when to intervene, doctors or legislators? These women and many more say the state tied their doctors' hands as they dearly wanted to give birth, but instead faced death. After she was born, my placenta wouldn't deliver, and I was hemorrhaging. Caitlin Cash describes her daughter as a miracle after multiple miscarriages, but this pregnancy threatened to end her life. I lost over half of my blood volume after the delivery of my daughter. Doctors arguing their trauma could have been prevented. While there is technically a medical exception to the bans, no one knows what it means, and the state won't tell us. 
At issue are these sections of the Human Life Protection Act, stating, A doctor can perform an abortion if, in their reasonable medical judgment, a woman is at risk of death or substantial impairment. These women argue that doesn't give doctors enough clarity to act in good faith to save a mother's life, without fearing life in prison, if the state disagrees. It means that patients like my clients will continue to suffer. While I was sitting in the courtroom, my telephone rang with a call from another patient. This is real. It is happening every single day and it is not going to stop. Supporters of the ban point to state data showing that since the ban, 41 abortions have been performed in Texas under the medical exceptions. We know that doctors are intervening and they are not being disciplined or prosecuted. They say any farther clarification should be up to medical boards not courts. The language in the law is clear and allows a doctor to intervene. The Supreme Court could have the final say here, but it could take until June. At the Texas Supreme Court, I'm Ryan Chandler. And earlier this year, Texas lawmakers gave doctors a little leeway to provide abortions when women face serious pregnancy complications. House Bill 3058 gives specific exceptions for ectopic pregnancies and preterm premature rupture of membranes. That's when someone's water breaks too early. Governor Abbott signed that bill into law back in June. Millions of Americans are getting an early glimpse of winter today. Lake effect snow piled up overnight and today in communities across the Midwest and Northeast. And for those who are staying dry, areas from the Great Lakes to the East Coast are shivering and some below freezing temperatures with temps at least 10 to 20 degrees below average for this time of year. And with winter on the way today, Austin Homeland Security and emergency management leaders briefed the city council on what the city has done since the winter storm we had early this year. Some of that includes better communicating with the public and in more than a dozen languages. Also making sure staff know what to do before the storm happens and putting emergency generators at all facilities like fire stations. Now they hope some of these measures will help people keep the lights on and stay warm during a storm. But there are some concerns about the potential for rolling blackouts. We're going to have more on that coming up on KXN News at 6. And now really is the time where we're supposed to remember to weatherize our home. The spigot covers always fly off mm. the shelves. Smart I need to get to one. About. Yeah, that's <laughs> smart. It feels like a Texas winter already with nice cool weather oh, at yeah. home. But it's kind of exciting to see the snow on the ground elsewhere. Check this out. After that big lake effect snow event close to the Great Lakes, we've got over a foot on the ground from parts of New York near Buffalo to upstate. Of course, none of that snow on the ground in Texas, at least as of right now. Liberty Hill, it's a beautiful day. More sunshine and warmer weather this afternoon than that gray day we had yesterday. Live view from the Whittlesey Land supply can with just a few high clouds. It is cooling off already as the sun uh, prepares to set at 530 upper 50s up and down I 35 60 right now in Burnett. Well, we first warned you this might happen yesterday and now here it is a wintertime threat of severe weather east of Austin on Thursday coming up. Don't miss the timeline and which threat in particular we're concerned about. David, thank you very much. The temporary truce in Gaza tested but holding for a fifth day to allow more hostages to be freed. This in exchange for Israeli-held Palestinian prisoners. Only one American has been released so far as U.S. officials press leaders in the Middle East for a broader hostage release and a long-term solution to this fighting. NBC News has confirmation from Israeli authorities that 12 hostages have been released from the Gaza Strip and are safely in Israeli territory. That includes a group of 10 Israeli citizens and two Thai nationals who were released outside of the framework of that agreement. The youngest of the Israeli citizens is 17. The oldest 
84. There is an agreement among the parties that the ceasefire will extend by one additional day. It is now set to expire tomorrow, but there could be a day-by-day -day extension as long as Hamas is willing to release at least 10 hostages a day and the Israeli authorities are willing to release at least 30 Palestinian prisoners from Israeli military jails per day. The suspect in the shooting of a North Carolina professor is unable to stand trial at the moment. What was found in his psych evaluations? The U.S. reporter held in a prison in Russia now being held even longer. What this means for U.S.-Russia relations. And what about the mystery illness plaguing dogs across the country? Is it here in Texas? What experts are saying about it and how to protect your pets? The defendant charged with murder in the August shooting death of a professor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill has been ruled incompetent to stand trial. The 34-year-old grad student at UNC, Talil Chi, was in court today for a hearing on two psychiatric evaluations. The doctors who performed those both concluded that Chi is not mentally capable to stand trial. Some of the details of those evaluations include that Chi has severe mental illness and that he even hurt himself in jail. The judge ordered Chi to be taken immediately for mental health treatment. After treatment, Chi could stand trial if found competent. Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich will stay in a Russian prison even longer. Today, a Russian court extended his pre-trial detention for two months until January 30th. Now, the journalist was detained in March while on a reporting trip. Russia alleges Gershkovich was collecting information constituting a state secret about the Russian military. Gershkovich and the journal deny those allegations and the U.S. government says he is wrongfully detained. Gershkovich is the first American reporter to be charged with espionage in Russia since 1986. He faces up to 20 years in prison. Five Austin restaurants making the list of best restaurants in the country. What they're serving up that makes them better than the rest. And check this out, a high of only 61 so far today in Austin. Our eighth day in a row of cooler than normal temperatures. Here we are on the 28th of the month, continuing a drier than normal November. We'll have your forecast though with some storms coming soon next. A mysterious respiratory illness is affecting dogs in several states across the country. But has the illness reached the Lone Star State? And if it has reached Texas, how will it impact your dog? Dr. Lori Teller, a clinical professor at Texas A&M Veterinary School, says it's hard to tell if the illness is actually here. And that's because respiratory illnesses are not reportable in dogs in the state. She says the infection can be tracked if owners are willing to have their dogs tested. The illness is similar to other respiratory infections. Teller says symptoms include coughing, sneezing, runny nose, fever, watery eyes, and dogs might not play as their usual selves. And many may be worried about boarding their dogs as they head out for the holidays. Teller says while some cases are severe, it is rare that the illness could lead to anything more, and the majority of dogs do recover. And the good news is there are things to do to prevent it. So our recommendations are to be cautious but not freak out. So vaccinate your, your dogs against the respiratory illnesses that, that we can protect against. 
Those vaccines include Bordetella, parainfluenza, and canine influenza. Dr. Teller adds if an owner is boarding their dog or taking them to daycare, they should ask the facility what it's doing to protect the dogs. How are they preventing the spread and what to do if an animal does have respiratory illness? Our Taylor Gertman has more advice from Dr. Teller under this story at KXAN.com. Well, as the holidays inch closer, you may be thinking of where to take your family for a holiday dinner or maybe a fun night out with some friends. <laughs> well, this might help you narrow it down. Five Austin restaurants made Open Table's top 100 list. Those include Clark's Oyster Bar on West 6th, serving up New England seafood with California influences. <laughs> Jay Carver's on Rio Grande is next. The Chop House serves an array of premium seafood and meats. Then comes Jeffrey's in the historic Clarksville neighborhood, serving high-end American dishes. Next on the list is Red Ash, Italia. We should note, though, that Red Ash is still closed following a fire there a few months ago. And that's followed by Uchi on South Lamar, which offers non-traditional Japanese cuisine. Our Kelsey Thompson has more on these popular spots and how to make a reservation under this story at KXAN.com. <laughs> I am hungry now. I That's know. the tough part, right, is making the reservation. I yeah, know. there you go. Everybody knows how good all those restaurants right. are. Gone are the days where you can go out in Austin and yes. just pop into a restaurant. Plan ahead. Can't do that anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's feeling like Austin. Where are we going tonight? Uh, yeah, right? With your name, Britt Moreno. Oh, exactly. yeah. Reservation anyway, right? <laughs> Uh, let's go outside tonight. The Austonian weather cam looking beautiful. I've zoomed in here to the lake so you can actually see a couple little fall colors on Ladybird Lake. Maybe you've noticed some. They seem to me especially vibrant near our rivers, lakes, and creeks. 58 degrees right now in Austin. By the way, we're getting great photos of this brief window of fall foliage that we see this fall. Yeah, from reported at KXAN.com. Send yours into our inbox at that email. This one coming in from a viewer at Redbud Isle. Wonderful site there near the intersection of Ladybird Lake and Lake Austin uh, near downtown. The clouds and radar not showing much. We got just a few high clouds coming in from the west. Should make for a pretty sunset here at 5:30. But here is the main weather maker this week. I showed it to you yesterday. A pinwheeling, compact, and pretty tight low pressure system approaching northern California tonight. This thing, when it arrives here, as we thought might happen, now producing a risk of severe weather. Not from Austin westward. This bright green color is just a general thunderstorm risk, but a one out of five threat of damaging storms in Bastrop, Elgin, and Maynard. Two out of five in places like Lee, Fayette, and eastern Bastrop counties. So we always like to break down which threats we're talking about. Severe thunderstorm can mean damaging hail, not this time. Damaging wind gusts in a straight line, not this time. The most concerning thing, which is still kind of a low threat overall, keep in mind, is actually a brief spin-up tornado. Remember we saw something similar near Niederwald, southeast of Austin, about a month ago. I believe it was October 26. This is kind of a similar setup where you need to keep this in mind, but it's not worth worrying about tremendously. The spin in the atmosphere, this is something new for you tonight. Check out the timeline upper right early Thursday morning a little bit of spin moves in but once we get toward 10 a.m. 11 a.m. and noon notice the area of less rotation gets a bit more widespread and some of these little pockets here especially east of Austin as I mentioned will have higher rotation in the storms basically that translates to the potential at least of a brief weak tornado so let me show you something you're more used to seeing which is the clouds and radar forecast tomorrow morning clouds are already starting to increase and and boom, it's a gray day again, just like that, through midday and beyond. It will get a little damp tomorrow evening as the clouds lower, mist, drizzle, and light fog develop. Then here comes the little window for some strong storms. 
early Thursday morning at 5 a.m. Some showers, maybe a couple claps of thunder in our eastern counties, but remember the spin in the atmosphere is still quite low at 5, 6, 7 a.m. It's a little bit later in the morning as a few showers are ongoing in Austin when we're watching our eastern counties for a couple rotating thunderstorms. Here we are at 10 a.m., noon, and this risk will extend into the early afternoon along Highway 77. But after that, it's a mainly dry late Thursday and the sun comes back out Friday into the first weekend of December. Rainfall, not a blockbuster with this one, especially in the hill country. We're thinking a tenth to about a third of an inch from Austin eastward, heaviest totals in our eastern counties. All right, tonight's forecast, 45 degrees with clouds increasing. Tomorrow, it's a little chilly with some drizzle and mist late. High temperatures capped, we think, at only 58. With a 70% chance of storms, some of those possibly severe, be sure to download the KXAN weather app. It's always free in your smartphone app store. And just in case the worst were to happen, it'll send a push notification to your phone if you're in the GPS location of a tornado warning, let's say. After that, though, beautiful autumn weather through the weekend and beyond. A little dry cool front blows through next Monday. Night. Ascension Seton is preparing for nurses to strike a week from now. What they plan to do to fill the staffing gaps. Right now, the major hospital system forced to divert ER patients in multiple states after a cyber attack. Also, Alec Murdoch back in court this time coming face to face with the victims of his financial crimes tonight. Ascension Seton Medical Center here in Austin is responding to National Nurses United's notice of a strike coming up next week. The nurses strike begins Wednesday, December 6th at 645 in the morning. It will last a full 24 hours. Now the statement says, quote, we are disappointed. NNU has made the decision to proceed with its second strike this year, once again, creating unnecessary uncertainty for our associates and their families and concerns for our patients and their loved ones. But they say they have a plan. Ascension Seton says they're going to remain open and that they've contracted with a staffing agency that specializes in work stoppage events. The agency will provide the center credentialed registered nurses to fill the gaps. This is what happened, by the way, when nurses walked out in July. This is video of that strike. Seton said regardless of the duration of a strike, they are contractually required to a minimum of four days of work for any registered nursing staff starting from the first day of a strike. So any registered nurses who strike will be temporarily replaced and can return to work on December 10th. Ascension Seton Medical Center says they have been bargaining in good faith with NNU for an initial contract that supports everyone. Today, Travis County officials updated commissioners about a plan for a hospital-based violence intervention program. The county invested $500,000 in federal funds for safety planning and trauma-informed care to victims of gun violence. Leaders today said a contract could be in place next spring for the pilot project. It's part of county efforts to reduce gun violence and increase violence prevention. Within the past year, county leaders have met with other communities with hospital-based violence intervention programs to learn best practices. But the idea is to then create a warm linkage to someone so that they can then uh, continue to receive services and ensure that this is a one time and done rather than a continuing cycle of violence. And Travis County District Attorney Jose Garza says homicides in the community decreased 20% between 2021 and 2022 and have gone down an additional 8% so far this year. Digital reporter Kelsey Thompson has more details on the next steps for this program online at KXAN.com. 
Well, coming up tonight, we have The Voice for you at 7 o'clock, followed by Found at 9, and then we're back with KXAN News at 10. Join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on CW Austin, and here is where to find us.